Hello everyone, welcome back to Absolutely Everything. If you're listening to this on Spotify, let me remind you this is a video podcast, so go on to fucking youtube.com, freak, because I got my hair cut today and you need to see it because honestly, I think I have officially, well, actually, no, I was gonna say I've officially peaked, but I don't wanna say that because I wanna keep peaking. You know what I think, like, every time I think I reach my peak, another another thing happens and I just get better and better. And honestly, like, who knew all in life you needed was a good haircut because this is the vision and I do feel like a million times more confident within myself because honestly, recently I've been like, oh, am I not serving or saying anymore? And I was like, no, because this is not gonna be a flop era. I've had way too many flop eras and I want to fucking serve my country, <laughs> jokes. Um, imagine doing that, I would die straight away. Anyway, I love my hairdresser. The thing is like, I have had so many different hairstyles. Let's talk about them. Let me, let me think about them actually. Okay, so, oh my God, if you wanna go back in time. Basically, if you're not British, I don't know if this was a trend in your country, but basically in like year, year eight, year nine, or was it year seven, year eight? One of those two. Um, the raw XD era, the um, let me Bluetooth you this MP3 song on the AstroTurf during break time era, where everyone had like the ponytail that had like all those layers, really intense layers. So it would just be this short ponytail with layers. Um, and like, you know, the side bangs, the side fringe that was just kind of like, with like the really like the layers. <laughs> oh my God. It was so fucking bad. It was so bad. And I, I was jealous of the girls and I wanted to be included. I wanted to have everyone's haircut. I never got taken to the hairdressers when I was younger. I think my mum would just cut my hair. So I just took it upon myself to, to try and emulate the hairstyle. And the way in which I did it, I tied my hair up in a ponytail and I just took the fucking scissors and I just um, tried to emulate the shape. My cat is scratching every time I try to film a podcast. You're making noise and I don't know how to edit my audio. <laughs> I've added a gate onto this thing, but I just don't know, like, I don't know. I don't know how it works. So I'm sorry if you could hear that. Um, I'm sure you actually don't even give a fuck. <laughs> so never mind. Back to the hairstyle. Yeah, I did that and did the fucking fringe. And honestly, thank God, there's not really any pictures of me during that time in my life. I don't know where they are. Um, but my dad basically, is a big documenter. And for my birthday, um, <coughs> sorry, for my birthday this year, no, last year, he loaded up a hard drive for me with all of the videos and photos of us from childhood moving into the age we are now. Um, so every time, every birthday, he would like be there like taking pictures and, and yeah, there's a picture of me and I, my makeup and my hair is so bad. Like my makeup, I just wore eyeliner, like on my waterline all the way around, just like wrapped the eyeliner around my eye. It looked bad. It looked really bad. God, that haircut was tragic. Moving on. Um, yeah, I kept, I kept that side, that heavy side fringe for a while. Um, and then when I was like 16, 
I I had the the ombre, the classic ombre. My cats are sneezing. I'm worried that Lilo has the flu or something and she gave it to Jean because they should not be sneezing like that. And I, oh my God, oh my God, my cats are infected. I think they have cat flu and I need to take them to the vets, but I don't really have money and they're not insured. <laughs> Fuck, I need a sugar daddy ASAP. How do I find one of those? I'm gonna hit the clubs. Nope, I'm not gonna do that. But I should, I just want, give me a sugar daddy, please. Just give me some money, somebody. Oh, so annoying. So annoying having to fend for yourself in this big bad world. And uh, no, whatever. Um, anyways, I had the ombre and that was cute. And um, you know, it was going into the orange, into the blonde. Did it myself. It wasn't that bad, low key. And then I did a little pink at the bottom. I had the ombre for a while. That was my vibe for a while. And then when I was like, when I was 20, I decided to bleach my hair <laughs> with box bleach at home. Bearing in mind, like this is my natural hair color. It's very, very dark. I don't know how I did it, but I did it. And honestly, like it's all about the toner you use girls. Like, you know that Weller toner, the ash one? Transformative. So I bleached my hair and I was all of a sudden blonde and it was giving Khaleesi and it was honestly such a sleigh, but I had blonde hair. Um, first year of uni and eventually uh brushing my hair when I came out the shower when it's wet and it just snapped off <laughs> I remember I had this like one piece here that was like this this short it was so tragic and I just had to wear a headband and then eventually I was like okay let me dye it back brown so I dyed it back brown again box dye go to a hairdresser girl but then when I had it brown and, and it was blonde previously, it kind of went this like, you know, when it goes green, it was kind of greeny. But then I also had like, I left a bit of blonde underneath and I had like blue that eventually faded into a green. Oh, another time. Oh yeah, that, wait, <laughs> yeah. So then I was brown and then in like second year of uni, I then did the um the bleached um fringe part, like the little strip. And I did green. I had, um, what color did I have? red like an orangey red and then I went brown again um and then there was another era oh yeah and then in the lockdown I had bangs and uh I dyed I bleached those blonde and then I had them like red like an orangey red with like the brown that was really cute but I also um then after that decided to cut it all into a mullet <laughs> You will never, nobody will ever, like nobody I know now moving forward for the rest of my life will ever see my past images because they're just not a clear representation of who I am. And I will not show anyone me not serving. I don't care, you're not seeing it. Me with a mullet is so funny because I say to all of my friends, like, how did you let me do that? Like, you were all like, yes, bitch, you're serving, you're slaying, boots the house down. No, you were all lying to me. Because in the moment, sometimes people think things are cute and then it's only in hindsight where you're like, wow, that was actually not the vision. Uh, the mullet was mulleting. Fucking, if someone made me have a mullet right now, I think I would actually rather pass away. So I had a mullet for a bit and then, and, and then I grew that out. I don't know, I've just done. Oh my God, and then the micro fringe. This was recent, this was last year. 
I have natural hair, it's beautiful. It's all long. Um, well, fairly long actually, it's actually shorter than this. But I really wanted, I really wanted a micro fringe and Taylor, Taylor, Taylor who? From Bones and all, what the fuck is her last name? You know the one. You know, she just has the micro fringe and it's just so stunning. And I was thinking about it for ages and I was like, fuck it, where are the scissors? I'm just gonna do it myself. Fuck it, what have I got to lose? So I did it myself and it actually wasn't bad, whatever. But then I go to the hairdressers. I think my vision got a bit lost in translation because he ended up doing something that I did not like and I pretended that I liked it, but I never went back then. I was so freaking traumatized. I wanted to get my micro fringe cut a bit shorter. Um, but I showed him an image and I was like, I really like when it's kind of like PC like this. I just meant styling, but he decided to cut it into that vibe. And and it was it was so bad because the micro fringe was like this short and then he layered he layered the micro fringe. So then it kind of came out like this. It was like like puffing out. Um, oh, oh, and then I got a Roman fucking helmet. <laughs> Visualize a Roman helmet. I got one of those. Because you know how like with Japanese hairstyles, you have that like bit that comes here and then it's like a blunt cut. A vibe, gorgeous. Um, but I only wanted like the top layer and like that small bit, but he parted all the way down here, all the way, like all my sideburns, like the sideburn hair and cut it into my face like this. So I just had this thick piece and like my sideburns were this fucking short and it was so fucking bad. And I, literally had a freaking panic attack. Well, no, I didn't even, I don't, mm, yeah, I did. But I disassociated to a point where I just was not okay for the next three days after that. I put a headband on. I didn't even look at my hair because <laughs> I looked at it initially when I got home and I was like, this is so bad and I can't deal with this right now. So I just put a headband on and I did not sleep at all in those three days. I had nightmares about my hair. Yeah, no, that was really bad. And then, and then it was just so bad. I had to wear a headband for three months. <laughs> and I was like, in every picture on my Instagram, it's just me with a headband. Like that's not an active choice, but like it looks like it is and like no one's seeing my hair. But eventually it grew out and I did a big reveal and everyone was like, wow, your hair's amazing. And I was like, thank you, but I have been suffering for three months. I've never had great experience with haircuts. And honestly, that traumatized me so much. And I was like, I'm never getting my haircut again. But I need to. And then eventually I found my current hairdresser. He's called Joe. And he is the best. And he is so lovely. Such a wonderful person. And yeah, I went in with my vision. I was like, I want it to be kind of shaggy, but like not too shaggy, like a like a delicate version of a shag. He served the nation, he really did. But I'm not gonna lie, I did cut a lot of it when I got back home because basically I kind of wanted more layers like here, like going in. So it's kind of like volume here and then gets thinner. And so I took it upon myself. I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, I love it, it's perfect. But like, I would like some more layers like here. And I was like, should I do it? Like, uh oh, like, am I gonna cut my hair right now when I've just got my hair cut? Am I gonna ruin it? But you know, I've cut my hair enough times that I know what vision I'm going for and I know I can achieve it. And I just was not afraid. So I just did it. And honestly, it's perfect and I love it. After my haircut, I went um, to take a little picture in the photo booth 
uh, in Cold Drops Yard, they have a good photo booth there. So I was like, why not? New hair, might as well get some cute pics while I'm at it. And after I did that, I got myself a nice little coffee and I was sitting down having my cigarette and this guy comes over to me and he's like, babe, do you have some filters? I need some and no one has filters. And I'm like, I'm sure I have filters. And he, I'm like, how many do you need? He's like two. And I'm like, well, it's your lucky day because I have two left. And he's like, oh no. And I'm like, I don't need them. They're all yours. And he was like, he, oh, he was just so cute. I love having conversations with strangers. And he was like, what's your name? And I was like, Jen. He was like, thank you so much, Jen. And I was like, what's your name? I can't remember his name. It began with an S, um, but it was wonderful. And I asked him what his name meant as I ask everyone if they have interesting names. But yeah, and then he was like, are you Spanish? And I was like, no. I'm half Filipino, but I've definitely got some Spanish in me. Um, and he was like, oh, you look like that singer. Um, oh, you know, the Spanish word. And I'm like, Rosalia. Obviously, I don't look anything like Rosalia, but I was just like, <laughs> it was the first thing that came to my mind. He was like, no. <laughs> and I was like, yes, Queen, I know. Um, but yeah, and he was like singing the song and I was like, come on, you got it. And he was like, oh, I can't think. And I was like, you got it, just just find it. And then he was like, Kali Uches. And I was like, Slay. Some people have told me that. Um, and then he was like, You're giving, yes, you're giving Kali Uches. He was like, You're giving sex. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. I wish I was having some of that, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> I'm also kind of traumatized because on my way back, I got the bus. And don't get me wrong, I love a bus journey, obsessed with the bus right now. Um, but it was so busy and I was sitting next to someone, whatever, that's fine. I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. But, you know, a few seats freed up over there and I was like, perfect. I'm going to hop onto that and get on the window seat because I've still got a bit of my journey left. I won't bother this poor girl anymore and give her back her personal space. But I was like, the bus is full. Why has no one moved on to that seat? So I'm waiting to see if like anyone moves on because God forbid I get up as somebody also gets up to go on it and then I have to go back to my seat. How embarrassing. But no one did that. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> so I went for it. And I realized why no one was sitting on that seat. Because on the fucking seat, which was the one I wanted to sit on the window seat, there was a box and a bag and loads of chicken bones. <laughs> that is just so London. Like a fucking box of devoured chicken bones just left on the fucking seat of the bus. And... I was like, that's fucking disgusting, but I've already sat down now. What am I going to do? Walk back to my seat, do the walk of shame back to my seat. It's not happening. So I just had to sit there next to the, the chicken bones and it kind of smelt too. I just had to accept my fate and move on. When I see somebody with a cute outfit, um, the girls, I write it down in my notes and I saw this girl today. She looked so good. She had this like dark brown like thin um, bomber jacket on, but it had a, like a nice structure to it. This midi brown pleated skirt, but it was like quite a thin material. So it had a nice flow to it. And then these like um, nicely structured slim but straight leg brown kind of suit pants with a really nice boot and I was taken aback and I just had to write that down because it's so beautiful so there you go there's some outfit inspo for you welcome back to absolutely everything you guys I hope you had a beautiful week and I hope you're ready for this episode because today we're going to be talking about why I ended my eight year long relationship in my mind I was like this is a great 
uh, episode idea because, you know, maybe something I say will be relatable. Maybe some of you are in long-term relationships that you have been in since you were 18, 19, 20, you know, your formative years. And maybe it's not going so well. And maybe you're feeling a little trapped. <laughs> Am I getting warm? Listen, it's all good. We've all been there. Um, But I think it would be nice for me to share this story with you guys because maybe you would like to hear it. I don't know. I thought it would be good. And then as time went on, I only had this idea yesterday, but as time went on, I was like, does anyone even care? Nobody cares. Why are you going to be talking about you and your life and your experiences? Nobody cares. And that's embarrassing and cringe. And then I just realized when I was getting my hair cut and talking to Joe about it, um, that that was just my fear of being perceived, my fear of being judged. And I said to him, I was like, do you know what? I just still have a lot of work to do because, you know, with my podcast, I'm doing it because I have this insatiable need. Insatiable? Insatiable. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what word I'm saying. <laughs> but I just have this desperate need to vocalize my thoughts and it's very cathartic for me and I don't have a therapist yet and you know I just feel like I'm I'm my eyes have finally opened up to life and I'm learning a lot and I'm growing a lot and I just want to document the journey for myself and you know the cherry on top is that it can help you guys and you can find something to relate to or if anything, it's just nice to have one in the background while you're getting on with your shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I was just saying to him, do you know what? Like, you're never going to please everyone. You're just not. Like, and as a, you know, a little bit of a people pleaser, I want everyone to like me and I want to be well received. Um, but it's just so silly because then I'm just, I'm doing things and I'm, I'm starting to create from a place of how is this going to be perceived and what will people think? and that is just puts me in a place of anxiety and then I can't really be my true self. So yeah, that's something I need to work on. But I, I am aware of it and I do overcome it. It's just like, it's more so when I go to make a podcast episode where I'm talking about more vulnerable topics and I'm actually talking about my own personal experiences, it's quite daunting because, you know, it's very vulnerable. I'm gonna be telling you about my trauma. <laughs> But this is a safe place and it's just the girls here, I think. So I'm just gonna go for it. I'm gonna take that leap of faith. So yeah, yesterday I had the idea to make an episode on why I ended my eight year long relationship. And so when I came back in from my cigarette, I'll try, <laughs> I usually have great ideas when I'm having my cigarette on my front step. When I came back in, I started like writing down like how I kind of want to structure it. And I was like, where do I even start here? And then I was like, do you know what? Like, let me do my life story. Like, let me do a timeline of my life, like from childhood. So I can just see, I can just see my past. I can see my present and I can visualize my future a little bit. And if you haven't written down the trajectory of your life, I really recommend it because I was like, whoa, I see, I see everything now and I, I see like how I was as a child and what my experiences were then and then like going to uni and then getting into this relationship when I was 18 turning 19 and I'm 27 now. Um, I just see how everything has linked up to each other and how I've become the person that I am now. 
And yeah, I just found it really helpful because I've constantly keep getting stuck in these places where I'm being so hard on myself and I'm thinking I'm not doing enough and I'm not, I'm just not enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not healed enough. I'm not grown enough. I don't know. Like I'm just not enough and I'm not, we get the point girl. Am I going to just say I'm not enough a million times? <laughs> Fuck's sake. Yes. So I think I'm going to start telling you guys kind of a little backstory on me and talking about like basically my life up until now because you know my podcast my podcast fuck's sake my relationship with my ex-boyfriend was a huge part of my life eight years is almost a motherfucking decade and it was during my formative fucking years and I only realize now in hindsight how much being in that relationship because it just we weren't right for each other and it was very toxic only am I realizing now how much that stunted my growth honestly both of our growth but um we're not talking about him we're talking about me (laughs) yeah I always thought I am still an individual yes I'm in this really long-term relationship but I have all of my friends I have all of my hobbies I have like you know my career and like all of these things no way am I being held back by being in a relationship. I'm fine and I'm, I still have the freedom to explore myself and my hobbies. But I was so wrong because I didn't realize until I got out of it and until I was actually alone and by myself and not tied to another individual, how much I actually wasn't growing because on some level, I think you can always be a little bit codependent to your partner. I think if you're in a healthy relationship and you know, like you've healed a lot of your trauma, then maybe that wouldn't be the case. But in my relationship, it was just quite toxic and we weren't right for each other. Therefore, we brought out the worst in each other and we just couldn't grow as individuals and as well I think we didn't really do much together like it just was the wrong relationship to be in and so I wasn't experiencing life and we it's not like we were experiencing life together and growing together like we both just stopped growing and honestly I just I don't want to play the victim here but I don't think that that was my fault (laughs) I think that I I don't know I think he held me back I think he held me back a lot and I think he dimmed my light a lot because I was thinking about it and at my core I'm a very very positive person I always have been um even if I'm feeling like shit like I always will find the light at the end of the tunnel and push through and I'm such a passionate person I have such a love and eagerness to live life and to experience things And I don't know, like, I just don't think he shares that same vision. And because he didn't, he would like dim my light a lot. And like, I remember like being super energetic and excited for things or enthusiastic. And he would be like, why are you doing that? That's weird. Like, or like chill, you need to like calm down. (laughs) 
I'm just having fun. Why are you telling me to chill? Why are you doing my life? Anyways, so let's just get into childhood really quickly. What have I written down? I'm just gonna, honestly, girl, I'm just gonna fucking read. I've got my titles and I've got the little bit of writing I have underneath. Don't laugh if it sounds stupid. These were just, this was just me thinking out loud. So it's probably not very literate. Um, and I haven't even read it since I wrote it yesterday. I put, I had a pleasant childhood always had what I needed and was raised in a stable home environment whereby I always had what I needed in terms of food, shelter and financial stability. I never felt a lack in this category. However, my home environment felt very emotionally negligent and unstable. Physical touch, emotional support and creative encouragement was always lacking. Music was not something that was often played, just the radio. Emotionally avoidant parents who struggled with being able to emotionally regulate their moods difficult relationship with my only sibling we did not get along and we always fought I felt like the odd one out my sister was the golden child and I was the creative one who always had a very strong opinion that did not fit the mold <laughs> yeah music not being played in the house is so weird because the only music that would be played in the house would be like the radio like my mom and my dad would never be like let's put on these songs that we love and like enrich our children like I didn't grow up in like this in, a, in, a, in an exciting household and like don't get me wrong I love my family I love my parents they're amazing they're brilliant they did the best they could um but sometimes that's just not enough is it I'm <laughs> just kidding they're amazing and I love them and they rock but, you know everyone has their fucking trauma and it's just like they were raised in a certain way and like they can only do what they can fucking do and I struggle with this a lot because I was always like why like no I had a really good childhood like I had everything I needed but I, I did I had the necessities I didn't have the other side I didn't have the emotional support I didn't have you know huge encouragement in my creative endeavors it was very kind of like um more academic and encouragement in that direction and that just wasn't for me like I hated school I hated um like the academic classes like maths and fucking science and shit like that it was just so boring and just so set in these like specific ways of doing I much preferred the more creative classes like English and textiles and art where it was very fluid and you had the freedom to kind of just be yourself and you were accepted in that environment and you were encouraged to just create and to just be and it was a place where I was felt very at home and safe to just be myself um so yeah that was that was my childhood and like I didn't get along with my sister we always fought like we were awful to each other. We would be on the landing, like um, <laughs> in the middle of the night, like before bed, like literally like punching each other, like scratching each other. Then my like parents would come out of their room and like literally like murder us. And it was just crazy. Like my mom is fucking Filipino. So that bitch would always be throwing a fucking slipper at me, hit me with her motherfucking flip flop all the time. Like throwing things at me like she was so crazy explosive girl like we would get beaten up all the time and you know when you did bad when your dad would come when your dad would come to like smack you on the bum but like it would be the hardest smack you would. and I remember one time I was in trouble and I don't know what I did and the thing is 
you should not hit your children. Don't do that. And like, what is your child doing that is so bad that you have to like hit them? That is insane. I remember he was coming for me and I was like, hell fucking no, bitch. And I'm like, none of these rooms in the house have a fucking lock apart from the bathroom. So I run like a fucking whippet to the bathroom. I lock that door and he's like, open up this door, bang, bang, bang. I'm like, I'm not fucking going out there. You think I'm coming out there when you're acting like this? Mm-mm, it's not happening. And then when I think the coast is clear, I make a run for it. I unlock the door. I run to my bed. I wrap myself in my duvet. And I remember just being there and he's like trying to unwrap me. And I'm like, for dear life, like in this duvet. And he eventually, cause he's bigger and stronger than me and I'm a child unwraps me and just hits me so hard. I remember it's so traumatizing. I once got locked in the front porch. <laughs> this sounds so bad. Like my parents have given me what I needed. And this was just their way of thinking to discipline their children. It was obviously not right and very traumatizing, but um, they were great. <laughs> but I was locked in the front porch one time and I remember that was quite traumatizing for me. I wasn't allowed back in the house. I was just crying. I don't know what the fuck I did. Oh my God, another time as well. Oh my God, so many traumatizing times. Um, I used to suck my thumb as a kid and my mom was like, fuck, like you need to stop doing this. And I think she tried a bunch of things, but it just didn't work. And one time she made me sit down at the table and made this like chili concoction of like vinegar and like spicy shit, like chilies in it. And she made me dunk my fucking thumb in there for ages. And I was crying and it really stung. And then I never sucked my thumb again. I also was obsessed with tomato ketchup, but didn't like tomatoes. I love tomatoes now, but didn't like tomatoes as a child. And she was like, you love tomato ketchup, but you don't love tomatoes. That's weird. You need to eat tomatoes. So she forced me to sit at the table and forced me to eat these tomatoes. And I couldn't leave until I ate some tomatoes. And I remember crying, trying to eat these tomatoes. And they weren't even good tomatoes. They were like the cheap salad tomatoes. Come on, girl. Come on, girl. Get me a nice tomato. Put a bit of salt on there. A little bit of basil, a bit of olive oil. But no. Yep, so many instances like that. I remember we weren't allowed to leave the dinner table until we finished all of our food. And that's how the eating disorder started. <laughs> so that's the trauma of my childhood. I also got bullied quite a lot by my... my um. My dad and my sister, I got singled out. I got singled out because honestly, they were probably just jealous of me. Jealous of the fact that I was a creative being who was born to entertain. But you know, whatever, that was my childhood. It's fine, I'm over it. It's quite funny in hindsight. <laughs> I love my family. <laughs> Moving on, what I wanted to do as a career when I was younger. Also, I don't know if any of this makes sense, but I'm just telling you because it made sense to me at the time. Um, I put, I was very expressive and creative as a child. I loved drawing and painting from a young age. I remember I've always loved entertaining people and making them laugh. I wanted to be an actor or a singer. I got a lot of joy from people's source of entertainment and bringing them joy. Yeah, I think I was writing this down because I was just trying to understand my life a bit better because obviously like I disassociated at a very young age. Um, and blocked a lot of it out. So I actually like, I haven't even fucking done this, like a timeline of my life. And a lot of times I'm like, God, what even was I up to? Like, who even was I? Like, who am I? Um, yeah. Yeah. I really wanted to be an actor or just an entertainer. And I feel like throughout my healing, it's just, I've, I've healed 
and now I'm back at the start again and I'm back to my childlike self and what am I doing right now? I'm entertaining, hopefully. <laughs> now we have school experience. Um, I never really enjoyed school that much. I wasn't very academic and struggled in those sorts of classes. Had difficulty concentrating and found the structure quite difficult to enjoy. I much preferred the more lucid classes. Oh wait, I literally just told you this a minute ago. Um, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I'm just talking about art. I really loved art class. I spent all my time there. I just loved it. They accepted you for who you were. They encouraged your authenticity. Like they encouraged you to push yourself and try new things. And I think I didn't grow up in a family environment where I was encouraged to be myself. I was kind of like, um, pushed to be someone that I wasn't and pushed into a path that I didn't really want to like go in not massively I think my parents tried to like push me in the direction that my sister was in which was like the more academic like she was always like top grades in her class went to a grammar school I didn't pass my 11 plus so I just went to the normal people's school but honestly it kept me grounded because she is a little bit of a judgy snob <laughs> love her <laughs> but she does have snobbish tendencies. Oh my God, my nose is so blocked right now. Yeah, basically the reason I was writing this cause it was just something fresh on my mind cause I watched last night Emma Chamberlain's um, podcast with her dad and it was so lovely. And I was just like, wow, I'm so envious. And like, no wonder you're so cool and like collected as a 21 year old, like it's insane because you were raised with like such incredible parents and like she's an only child and she was always encouraged to be herself and to follow her passions and her dad has such a beautiful perspective on life and he's so like conscious and and I was like wow I'm so envious like obviously like it is what it is you like can't choose who your parents are and I love them <laughs> but like I am very envious of people that grew up in such a safe home environment like raised by healed parents that is so insane so insane to me so yeah I think I was kind of reflecting on my like upbringing okay now we have the friends I had growing up I always had friends and never struggled making them I would say that I could always make friends easily as I'm very social and love connecting with others I also loved making people laugh and was a huge chatterbot so I spent a lot of my time entertaining others However, this being said, I fell into the popular friendship groups and was friends with most of the people at an individual level, but never felt as though I fully fit in with a group, like how everybody else within it seemed. I'd always had better relationships with a few of the people one-to-one, -one, oh, on a one-to-one -one basis, but felt like a fish out of water most of the time in a group setting. I was close to a few girls, but never managed to have a best friend and never felt like anybody's first choice. True, true, true. <laughs> but also like, I don't know, maybe I, because obviously now I'm aware that I have had a fear of vulnerability. I think that, I, I think that's quite probably a bit of a distorted take because one, it's a memory, so it's gonna be distorted. And two, you know, if I was super um, avoidant, I clearly had friends. It was probably me who wasn't allowing myself to have deeper relationships with them, which is why I felt um, isolated and kind of like always on the outside looking in vibes. 
I think that was a me thing. So I, I'm aware of that now because now that I've kind of healed that and now that I am vulnerable with people and I want to have deep connections and I'm open, I've been able to make those friendships really easily. So I think that was, <laughs> I think I was the one to blame there. Okay, now we have the point in time where I get into my first relationship. My first and only relationship that I've been in, I was 18 turning 19. So I met him in January and I turned 19 in April. And I was with him until this, wait, last year. So until I was 27, which means we were together for eight fucking years, which is so crazy. So I wrote, um, I remember never really being interested in getting into a relationship, even though many of my peers have been experiencing this from a young age at school. I really enjoyed being on my own. And honestly, I think I just wasn't ready, especially since I didn't start drinking and socializing until I was 15. Oh yeah, my mum wouldn't let me out the house until I was like 15. I think I went to my first house party when I was 15. And I was like, whoa. And then I got lit and I got drunk. But like, that's quite um, late. Like most kids were doing that since they were like 12. So, but you know, I'm grateful for that now because 12 is so young. I think 15 is a great age. But I hated that as a kid. I was like, fucking hell. Like, I, like I'm literally not allowed out. Like, this is crazy. However, by the time I met my ex, I was ready for a relationship, kind of. I remember dating and then pushing him away because I'd never experienced emotional, physical intimacy in my life and was very, it was very scary for me. I eventually allowed myself to go for it. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I remember we were like dating and like I was really into him. I really liked him. Like from the first time I met him, I thought he was really funny. Um, <laughs> He basically, I, I remember we were outside and I was like, so where do you live? And he was like, why? Because there's this village called Y, W-Y-E. And I was like, because I'm going to come to your house and stalk you. And he was like, no, like the place is called Y. And I was like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> God, it's so weird to reminisce. It's also so weird to like write down your life story and then read it because I honestly haven't been thinking a lot about the past. and even like my relationship, I've just been so in like the end of it of like, not that I hate him, but like, I'm just like, oh, I have no interest in you. And it's quite sad really. because The beginning was like so wonderful and so precious and so beautiful. And I think that it definitely just got so tainted because we stayed together for way, way too, like way too long, um, which is quite sad. Because, yeah, ew, <laughs> I almost cried. <laughs> I was just thinking about, ew, <laughs> something's happening to me. This is disgusting. I was just thinking about the first time I met him and I met him um, on a girls night out and I was with these girls um, that I met because I would always go out on Thursday nights and I met them, they were in a different school and I was like, going out since I was like 17 and then I was 18 and basically he was with the boys from their school and we were sitting on their table and I he was in a thrasher hoodie and I was like that's the one for me <laughs> the skater boy he's the cute one let me try and chaps him and I was just talking to him and I remember we were like laughing so much and we were just like having so much fun and I remember he like pulled a leaf off the 
off the tree and was like, mmm, spinach and like pretended to eat it. And I remember finding that so funny. And he had like one of those like gold Casio watches and he let me wear it. And then I was like, I need to give you this back. Yeah, no, we had such a nice time like meeting for the first time. And I always remember like I had my eyes on him like the first time I saw him and we just really got along. Like we used to laugh like so, so much. So that's sweet. Okay, why I ended my eight year long relationship. Fucking hell. It's also so weird as well because I haven't, one, I haven't looked at the timeline of our relationship or thought about it. And two, I haven't spoken about it. Like when I broke up with him, like I at the time didn't have that many close friends. I would mainly say it was literally just like John Quill, um, who's like my best friend. And even with her, like I didn't really tell her like everything, everything, because I just never do. Um, so this is strange. Oh, we're gonna be talking about it for the first time together. <laughs> okay, timeline of my relationship. So I have the first one and a half years. So when I was 19 to 20 were great, perfect, wonderful. It was my first relationship. I'd never had sex before. So like he was like my first everything. And, and I just felt so comfortable with him. And it was really nice because initially at the start, I was like freaked out because I was scared of vulnerability and so I was like you don't want to be with me I'm <laughs> just being like a fucking romanticizing depression teenager being like you don't want to be with me I'm not gonna make you happy and he was like no freak like let's just get together let's get together and um so yeah so we ended up getting together and then after that it was smooth sailing and it was just so lovely and we were best friends and we had so much fun together and we were just you know we were young and in love like it was your first relationship um so yeah it was really nice and then when I was 20 so like a year and a bit into our relationship I moved to London and I went to uni and it was never a question for me um for us to break up like that was never on my mind I was so in love with him and because a, a lot of people when um you're moving to uni you're in a relationship you're like oh well I kind of want to be single for that time and experience life and like on my own and grow and evolve as an individual and that probably would have been great but I was just so besotted with him I was like well no we're gonna stay together and you know we can make it work like you can come up and see me on the weekends and whatever and you know, uni, uni was, was, um, crazy, because I left home, moved to London, didn't know anyone, um, and it was just, like, a, a, like, a very transformative time for me, because it was just so different, and I wasn't used to it, and, um, fucking hell, I hated uni, I, when I was in halls, especially, like, I, was so depressed and and fucking yeah I was just really depressed and I wasn't enjoying myself and yeah it kind of took a toll on our relationship and I remember like trying to break up with him at uni in first year and he just wouldn't let me <laughs> he wouldn't let me break up with him um, and so he allowed me, he allowed us to go on a break. So we were on a break and it was really hard. And 
um, eventually we just got back together, even though we probably shouldn't have. Um, and then, and then, yeah. And then in second year, I lived um, with a bunch of people from uni, a bunch of friends. Um, and that was really traumatizing because like there was just a lot going on in that house and it was fucking crazy, crazy. Like one of the girls um, who I was like really good friends with at the time, her boyfriend was a fucking psycho and like he would like get like violent. He like punched a hole in our wall one time. He like screamed in my face one time when I was just trying to take a shower, literally naked in my fucking bath towel. It was so fucking insane. And then I locked the door. And then he was like trying to bang it down. <laughs> so that was really traumatizing. So I hated where I was living and I was like, oh my God, like let's just move in together. And at this point we were back on the up and up, like uni was over. Well, uni wasn't over, but like halls was over and the vibes got reset a little bit. And um, yeah, we were on the up and up. Rob had moved to London. So he was living with some friends. I was living in my house. And then I was like, oh my God, like, let me fucking get out of this place. It's crazy. So the most ideal thing for both of us, like financially, and like, we just wanted to live with each other. So we had been together at this point for two years. And then we moved in with each other when we were 22 because we're the same age and that's where it all went downhill that is where it all went downhill I just didn't I just didn't know and also just like I just wasn't I wasn't very self-aware when I was younger at all and I think you are 100% the people you surround yourself with I just don't think I had many good people around me uh I didn't have a good support system I don't have a support system like within my family home life and within like friendships, I just didn't have a support system and he was my only support system um, for most of my life. And that's another reason probably why we stay together for so long. Cause I think for both of us, like he doesn't have it with his family and we were the first people to do it for each other to be that support. Um, so it was difficult, but that's where it all went downhill. Why did no one tell me, hey, that's a really bad idea to move in with your boyfriend that you've only been with for two years. Also, it's a really bad idea to move in with your fucking partner in general. Um, you can do that. You can do that so much later on. You can do that when you get fucking married. Like I will never make that mistake again of like with my next fucking boyfriend of moving in with them like it's so important to have your own space so if you're in a relationship and you haven't been together very long honestly last I know you're obsessed with them but it will fucking seriously go downhill you don't do not move in with your partner 23 so we moved in together on a, in our first apartment when I was 22 to 23 um it was very exciting but very quickly went downhill and then when I was 23 Rob cheated on me when we were living together and tried to break up with me and I was like no you can't break up with me so now he, I was the one that wasn't letting him break up with me and obviously this triggered such deep wounds within me that I just didn't know I had because I didn't look inward until last fucking year so it massively affected my um self-worth and when that happens and someone cheats on you you what you're supposed to do is be like oh my god how dare and I always said like if someone ever cheats on me I am breaking up with them straight away like how dare you like that's not happening um 
but that's just not how it works out. I ended up doing the opposite and I was like, no. And I was like, please, like, why don't you love me? And I was like, oh my God. And I made it about me when it just wasn't about me. It was about him. And it's never about you. But I was like, I'm not enough. I'm not beautiful enough. What does she look like? Like comparing myself, like literally like going crazy and, and then trying to like prove myself to him and trying to make him want me and throwing myself at him and, and, and begging him and, oh my god, like, it's so bad, it was so bad, but, um, yeah, so, after that instance, I'd never felt, I'd never felt pain like that before, and honestly, I thought I was going to die, do you know what it is, in hindsight, that was the first person I ever truly, like, let in, and that's, like, the ultimate betrayal, and even I remember the night it happened, he never came home, and we, in our old flat, we had one of those, like, skylight, um, window roof things, um, and I remember it was, like, a really rainy day, and I just couldn't sleep, I couldn't sleep, it was, like, storming outside, and I remember just having this pit in my stomach, and I was, like, he, (laughs) Mm. (laughs) I think he's cheating on me, but like we weren't good in our relationship we weren't good we were fighting all of the time we weren't having sex things were on the down and down (laughs) so I understand why he did it and I had a lot of empathy for him and I was like listen you know what at the end of the day we got together really young we hadn't had a lot of experience like you've only slept with one other person apart from me um we weren't having sex we were you know fighting all of the time someone gave you a bit of attention and it made you feel good and you got swept away in the moment and you resented me and all of these things you just didn't care about me so you did it like I understand why you did it like it's fine because you know what at the end of the day it's just nice to be able to have empathy for people and to be able to understand their situation um because people just don't do things to intentionally hurt you it's not like he did that like he's a very kind-hearted person um but he was going through his own shit like that's his own shit that's his thing to deal with it's got nothing to do with me so yeah but that really really fucked me up and honestly my best friend Jack was staying with me at the time and when I tell you it was like the Christmas day episode of EastEnders at my house the way the drama unfolded the drama and I was like I told you I told you you did it because basically I went to work I was working at a pub at the time and Rob came home in the morning and was like oh, I want to break up and I was like no and I was like let's talk about this later I have to go to work so I went to work and I was miserable and I I was like can I go home like I'm I'm having a hard time right now and I was telling my manager what was happening he was like oh my god girl go home and then my best friend Jack met me and I was saying to him, I was like, I'm going to pull Rob for a chat. Like, I'm we're just going to talk it through, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, I just, I do think he cheated on me. Like, I, I can feel it. Like, I know he has. Um, and then when I went home, I went home and he had just come out of the shower and he was about to leave to go to his friend's house because he couldn't be in the house after knowing what he had done. And if I hadn't left work early, he wouldn't have even been there. So I was like, oh my God, like I caught you at the right time, but I can't believe you were running away from the scene of the crime. And then, you know, like I eventually got it out of him. Um, and I was like, wow, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> and, then, and then it exploded and, and like Jack Blessing was in the other room. And I was like, I told you he fucking cheated on me. And Rob was just standing there like, 
and it was so crazy and it was insane and I remember like the next morning he didn't even wake up early to like get me flowers and to like to grovel to me and I was like how I was in the kitchen with Jack and I was like how is he sleeping like a baby right now I couldn't fucking sleep I feel awful like how is he sleeping right now? How dare he have the right to like be in a slumber? So I just like fill up this massive jug of ice cold water. And I, <laughs> I throw it in his face. I'm like, wait the fuck up, motherfucker. And it's so funny because apparently he was having a dream that he was drowning. And then that's how he woke up. And I was like, honestly, it serves you right, you fucking loser. But that was so crazy. And then he went out and got me flowers. And I was like, how dare you? honestly it was insane and also there is a version of Beyonce's song Resentment that she performed live in Vegas that is only available on like um Vimeo I think it's called something like that it's not on YouTube for some reason but it's so good so you should listen to it but I remember making Jack sit with me while I was like singing that song and that song's basically about being cheated on and blah 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 and it's just such a funny core memory that we laugh about now but yeah so much other shit went on when that was happening and unfolding and it was just so crazy and poor Jack was just in the house while that was happening so funny but anyways that basically I was already I had already like had depression and uni um when I was in halls but that just took me over the edge and yeah I started like self-harming from that and and sorry trigger warning <laughs> I've said it now <laughs> um and I was just yeah I was really fucking depressed and I was not okay I was not okay and I was just depressed for a long time after that um I was just like really anxious really paranoid because I was working at a pub and I was finishing late at night and like Loki like had a few stalkers and it was just a bit weird and then um yeah I was just fucking thinking about dying all of the time I just wanted to fucking end it um and then we were supposed to move out of that place and move into this place and I was like I basically took him back but then it, you know it just wasn't the vibe <laughs> yeah so I, I was like I can't do it so I broke up with him and then it was fucked because we were supposed to move into this place like we um I think we had signed the lease yeah we had signed the lease to this place we were supposed to move in and I was like I just can't be with you and I was I was like in a really bad place um and then I broke up with him and I don't know and then and then he was like you're not okay I'm coming to pick you up because he was staying with his parents because we were like had just moved out and we were about to move into this place but then I broke up with him um so it was just a bit confusing and then he was like I'm coming to pick you up you're not okay I need to look after you so I went back to his parents house and um and then I just got back with him because I was like do you know what <laughs> what am I gonna do, where am I gonna live, we just signed the lease to this place, I'm fucking, like, suicidal right now, like, I, the other path for me, I just don't know what that path is, and this is the only place that has some sort of stability, so I'm going to go this way, so we get back together, we move into this place, we're like, we're gonna work on it, whatever, whatever, guys, my mouth is so fucking dry, 
sorry I just had to have some water um yeah we moved into this place where are we on the timeline so that was when I was 23 because we've lived we li lived here for four years and then then oh god <laughs> oh god oh god okay yeah so we move into this place and it's fine for a few months. We moved in in September. Then in November, we break up again. I break up with him again because clearly, like looking back at it, he had cheated on me. That like just triggered such a deep part of me and I wasn't okay. And I wasn't speaking to anyone about it. And I wasn't even thinking about it. And I was just suffering and coping through all of these like little like things that I was doing that was like so harmful to me and yeah, I just didn't have the support that I needed. I didn't ask for help and I was just struggling. So we're in this new apartment for two months. We break up um, in November, like I break up with him. And then, and then that was a really bad time. Like he was just awful to me. He ends up like this girl that he cheated on me on, with, like didn't even fucking live here. She lived in fucking Germany, but somehow then he sees her again. And like my friends text me, and they're like, oh my God, we were, we were at the bar and Rob walks in with the girl and then he sees us and then he walks back out and it was just this like crime spotting drama and it was just so funny and I was like, as fucking if, cause we had just broken up. And I'm like, you have the motherfucking nerve to still be living with me. The girl that you have been in a relationship with for like, I think three years. Yeah, for three years. And you have the audacity, like, any like literally like we're broken up I don't care but like any other girl but this motherfucking girl who how is she even here right now she doesn't even fucking live in the country like what the fuck like do you have like no respect for my feelings at all like did you not think my friends were gonna gonna spot you you're out in my in my area <laughs> and I have more friends than you so someone's gonna fucking have an eye on you motherfucker um so yeah that was really traumatizing and then he was like I'm going to visit her <laughs> going to go to fucking Germany and visit her so weird whilst we're still living together because we had just signed a fucking lease and we're like we can't get out of it we're on a six month break clause so we're having to like figure that out and I remember like you know, I just, did, I didn't know myself. I didn't have the support that I needed or the, the tools that I needed or the insight in my own mental health to even understand what was going on. And, and I, I've made it a me thing and I made it about me and I thought it was all about me not being good enough and what am I doing wrong as opposed to now, obviously if that was to happen, I'd be like, well, that's their own fucking shit. Like that's got nothing to do with me. Like I am secure within myself that, um that's very disrespectful and I have boundaries and I'm not allowing you to cross them and um I'm not gonna let you treat me like that blah 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 but at the time I remember like violently crying to him all the time because we were still living together and being like how can you not see that this is so disrespectful like you should care about me enough, like, you should care about me more, you should love me more, more than your, like, want and need to, like, see this girl, like, can't you just see any other girl, like, why does it have to be her, like, that hurts me, because that's the girl that you cheated on me with, it doesn't matter that we're broken up now, like, 
you know, even like get with her, but like not when we're living together. And I just couldn't fathom how he couldn't understand the level of disrespect. Um, that was crazy. So I remember spending a lot of time like just not being able to, because I, in my head, I couldn't understand like why I would never do that to you. I would never hurt you like that. And like, you can see how much this is hurting me. Like this is ripping me apart in the inside. Like, how can you not see this? Like, why don't you care? And like, he just didn't like the reason why is like, he just didn't care. Um, which he later admitted to like later on in our relationship. Um, but yeah, so I spent a lot of time <laughs> doing that. And then I went on antidepressants because I was like, fucking hell, I'm actually like probably going to kill myself. This is so fucked up. So that's crazy. And, you know, like, I think it was just a thing of, I didn't know myself. I didn't have that really fucked my self-worth and self-esteem and, and I didn't grow up with a su support system at home. I didn't really have... I, I mean, I probably could have turned to my friends and like they were there for me. And I think I just, I I didn't know how to ask for help or how to talk about my feelings or articulate them. Like I couldn't even articulate my feelings to myself, let alone to anyone else. So what was happening in that time was I was feeling all of this trauma and everything was unhealed. <laughs> so many unhealed wounds. And I was just being traumatized, traumatized, traumatized. And I could just feel all of that, but I didn't know how to feel it and release it or articulate it and let it go. I, I was just storing so much trauma, so many years worth of trauma that that was the thing that really took me over the edge. I just didn't know how to deal with it. So I was like, get me on those drugs. Like, I just want to feel nothing. So that's what happened. And then I felt nothing for a while um, whilst I was on them. And I'm a crier. I couldn't even cry. Like I actually felt nothing, but it was so good. <laughs> it was so good to feel nothing because I was feeling everything. It's like on the Vampire Diaries when they just have to turn it off. They have to switch off their humanity because it just hurts so bad. That was me. We break up. We get back together two months later because he gets back and I'm like, I'm on antidepressants now and I think he feels bad. So then he, he starts being nice to me and then we start kind of hanging out and like watching movies and then we start like getting together again. And it was really nice because it felt, it felt new and exciting again. It hadn't felt like that for a long time. But that was just me being insecure and turning to him for validation and proving to myself that I can still get him and he still wants me. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't know this at the time. I know this now. So I what I should have done was actually broken up with him and, and got a fucking therapist or something and started healing and like just being with myself, but instead I turned for external validation, fell back into this like toxic relationship. We get back together two months later and I graduate uni, I'm now 23. Two months later, um, COVID, <laughs> the lockdown. Two months later, after all of that fucking trauma that was unhealed, that went unspoken, and now we're in a fucking lockdown and the world is ending. Like, so then we, and like things were fine, but then straight after that, we're in a lockdown and COVID lasts for about two fucking years. So I go into COVID 23, about to turn 24, because I turn 24 the, the next month. Um, 
come out of COVID, which was like two years, 26. So I go into COVID, just graduating uni, just trying to figure figure my life out. Um, I'm 20s, come out of it, late 20s. Who am I? I'm overweight now because I had a binge eating disorder and I put on three stone and now I have um, agoraphobia and I'm anxious and... And I basically what I realized after writing this down last night was like, oh my God. So I've never written this down. I've never even thought about it. Like, oh my God, like all of that trauma from my childhood, um, from uni, from my relationship and the fact that all of that cheating stuff and all of that fucking shit went unhealed. And then it was the lockdown. That's why we were together. Because if the lockdown never had happened, clearly breaking up, getting back together, breaking up, getting back together, I would have broken up with him again. But because we were in the lockdown for like two years, we were doing fucking COVID for two years. It added on another two years, but then we became like codependent. Then we got like, I was getting anxious. He fucking got depressed. And like his vibe was like bringing me down and my vibe was bringing him down and everyone's vibe was just at an all time low. And then 26 to 27, that's when I started healing and I was like okay like I need to take control of my life and that's how through my healing um and figuring out who I was and working on myself that's when I was like whoa and my eyes opened up to like what had just been fucking happening like this fucking fever dream and I was like I can't be in this relationship and I tried to work on it for all of that time and he just wasn't trying and it wasn't working and I eventually broke up with him. Sorry guys, I took a little time out because my fucking tripod was slowly just falling and then it fell and then and then I was like, oh God, I'm taking a motherfucking, <laughs> motherfucking break. So sorry if you're watching the video and the camera angle just starts like going down. I mean, I'm sure it's fine and you also don't care. So back to what we were saying. So I... I, I broke up with him because I spent the last year trying to work on like the non-existent foundation of our relationship and and learning about how to communicate within relationships and what things we can do to kind of like get the spark back and do all of these things and like heal with each other. And at the end of the day, like I was the only person trying and being gaslighted. <laughs> so many times and yeah I think my issue there was I had I just needed to be on my own and I needed to heal and I had a lot of probably self-worth issues and um also like I'm just like a nice person and I I am empathetic and I was being patient and wanting him to do it in his own pace and whatever but it was only until I looked inward and started healing myself and and building my own self-worth up and pouring love into myself instead of giving it to somebody that just was very ungrateful and, and never gave it back to me. That was what eventually just gave me the courage to take control of the situation because my relationship was just such a huge part of my life and it was always there throughout all these like moments in my like formative years and that would have been nice if it was a healthy relationship and it was a relationship where 
we um, inspired each other, we made each other feel really good and and we experienced life together and we were doing all these things and we were growing but we weren't and as you can see from like the breakdown of our relationship like we should have broken up when the cheating scandal was happening because clearly I couldn't deal with that and if COVID hadn't have happened I think I probably would have broken up with him then which is why I was always like how did I stay in it for all of those years later after that um but when like your own personal life gets in the way and you have your own personal struggles that you're dealing with alongside like a like a loveless and unfulfilling relationship sometimes like you just stay in things because it seems harder to get out of it than it is to stay in it when you're struggling with other things in your life and I think that that is what was happening um so yeah I don't know if anyone watching this can relate to anything <laughs> in that story but yeah I'm only realizing now that I'm on my own I'm no longer tied to another individual how much it really did hold me back and hinder my growth and always being seen by another person as somebody you're not and like being told like I don't know I think I was always being told in that relationship who I was and his perspective of me isn't a true representation of who I am and who I know that I am but I think if you're being told you're like awful <laughs> you start to believe it a little bit but you're just being gaslighted <laughs> so yeah it took me it was just like a year of kind of me trying to work on it us like bickering all the time and eventually I just flipped in the kitchen after we're having an argument about like some fucking house shit and I'm just like I can't I don't I'm like I don't want to be with you I can't be with you right now like like I don't even love you like I, I'm like what like what are we doing and like the thing is he never would have left me I don't think it just doesn't make sense like take control of your life but like finally finally I took control of my life and finally even though like it was scary I I just and I didn't know because like we were living together and we have like cats and like all this shit I was just like do you know what like I'll figure it out I can't do this anymore like it was just taking every last bit of me to like be in that relationship um so I'm really proud of my courage to do that because it wasn't easy for me and I felt very very stuck and I felt very very trapped and yeah in hindsight like I've just learned so much I've learned to ask for help I've learned to just it's just so crazy that I spent all of that time not being aware of what was happening because I was avoiding everything because it was also painful for me that I just switched off and I went into like um zombie mode <laughs> just like a walking zombie just I uh, living in a fever dream all of that time until I finally like woke up and became conscious last year which is so insane but basically like yeah um that's why I ended my eight-year relationship and it shouldn't have been eight years but I have learned a lot from it 
so whatever. But now I'm like, oh, I'm 27, I'm turning 28 in like three months. Sometimes I freak out a little bit. I'm like, whoa, like that is really old when it's not. And it's just like a societal construct. And like, I don't feel old. I feel like I've just been reborn. And yeah, I just got to keep reminding myself that like, I've only just started living my life, really. I've only just started in the past September, October, November, December, January, five months being on my own and figuring out who I am and what I like and getting back into my hobbies and getting re-inspired again and doing it all like by myself. And I've become like such a strong individual and I'm so proud of myself because I'm so hard on myself and I set such high expectations for myself and I'm always so kind and giving to everyone around me like it's my number one mission in life to make everyone that I come into contact with feel seen and understood and loved and valued and appreciated and I think that's because I think that's so integral for me because I've always felt the opposite to that like the majority of my life um and so I want to make sure like everyone that I can have an impact on that I do and that it's positive and that it's meaningful because I guess I just like don't want anybody to feel the way that I felt all of my life (laughs) this is so fucking annoying why do I have to talk about this (laughs) like anyone's forcing me no I think it's good to talk about your feelings and to be vulnerable because even though I'm like, this is so cringe and embarrassing, it is just the truth, you guys. But yeah, I think that if you are, you know, in a relationship where you are feeling stuck and trapped and you don't want to be in it, but like, how do you get out of it? Like, just take that leap of faith. Like, you have the strength, you are strong, you're so much stronger than you think. And you can just like figure it out because the longer you stay in it, the longer you're going to be suffering. I don't know. I think it's so crazy. I feel like I finally just started becoming the woman I was always supposed to become. And I think I was supposed to go through all these experiences to just have the insight and the perspective that I do now. Like when I'm 40, I want to um, become a psychiatrist. Um, a psychiatrist or a therapist it's like the same thing right I want to be a therapist when I'm 40 and I want to go to uni and like do the course that I need to do and then I want to have my own like slate office and I want to help people and I think maybe that's why I had to go through all of this trauma um, that built up for like literally my whole life (laughs) for me to kind of understand mental health and it gives me like such a huge amount of empathy and I don't know I feel like this was the path I was always supposed to be on and this was always supposed to happen for me so so that I'm at the point now where I can kind of like talk about my experiences and stuff but it's just so crazy like the huge thing that I've learned from this is just like speak to people don't isolate yourself like I definitely had friends in my life that would have given me the support that I needed um if I had just asked for it and and 
you know, I did have support from my friends, but I definitely like hid a lot of stuff and I always put on such a happy front. I think that's why everyone was like so shocked when we broke up. They were like, what the fuck? Like you guys were great because I would just um, pretend act spent my whole life pretending and it's just honestly it's not fucking worth it. it it is so draining to do that to yourself to stay in a relationship that you are so deeply unhappy in um but basically what I learned from that is you are the people you surround yourself with and never never settle never stay in something that makes you unhappy but in any relationship friendships romantic relationships like colleagues like all of these things like people that you are surrounding yourself with if they make you feel like shit if they make you feel drained like they're bad for you and you need to cut them out of your life and you need to just know that there are amazing people out there waiting to get to know you waiting to give you so much love waiting to be the friend for you that you've always been for them um for them for other people I don't know like for me maybe I stayed in things and kept bad people around me um bad people as in like just people that never gave me as much as I gave them and that's the story of my life like giving so much to everyone and never receiving barely any of what I'm giving them back to me um but I think a reason why we do that is you haven't like I for me a reason I think why I did that was because I've never experienced such incredible connections with uh, with other people that were just positive they they weren't they weren't negative I didn't have to like um prove my worth and I think that just goes back to childhood like I think I had to in order to kind of receive praise and love um and acceptance from my parents I had to prove it. I had to be worthy of it. It was conditional. It came when I did well in school. It came when I did something to make them proud, but it, but it didn't come all of the time and I had to work for it and I had to earn it. And so I think that's just translated in my relationships with everyone where I felt as though I needed to earn people's love and appreciation. And that's just not true you don't have to earn anything like you're worthy enough and it can be easy but I think because I hadn't really experienced it I didn't know that it was out there like I I mean I just didn't know how easy it was to have amazing people in your life until I started um setting boundaries and I started um feeding so much love and compassion into myself and I started setting a fucking standard for myself and I no longer accept anything below that because I know my worth and I know what I bring to the table and I know that at my core I am such a kind and wonderful and giving person and I know that that's special and I know that I deserve to feel from other people how I how I make other people feel um and since I started doing that and not accepting anything less than what I know I deserve I've I've made such incredible connections with people 
and met such incredible people and it's so wonderful and like I feel like my whole world has opened up and and I'm so conscious of that now of not letting any negative people in my life not allowing them to stay because they just bring down your energy so much and they dim your light and they stunt your growth and I just want to be surrounded by people who care about me who encourage me who accept me for who I am who embrace me who inspire me um, and support me endlessly and who are there for me and who make an effort because I know that I deserve that and you deserve that you deserve to have those people in your life and if you do have people in your life that make you feel like shit if you're in a relationship that makes you feel like shit if you have friendships that make you feel like shit have the courage to just cut them out you can live without them you will live without them and once you close that door you can open another door to wonderful wonderful people who will make you feel so good about yourself and who aren't just gonna like treat you like fucking shit and make you feel small so that they can feel big um but I guess we all have to just experience being in those situations and like come out on the other side to really realize like whoa that was crazy and and to learn you know it's just like another lesson another lesson of life fucking hell but yeah I am I think I was being way too hard on myself in hindsight now after I like created this timeline of my life and really realized what was happening in my relationship that I didn't even know until like yesterday because I, I've, I avoided thinking about the timeline of it or like why everything worked out the way it did but looking at everything from a bird's eye point of view makes me realize that I'm doing I'm doing all right I'm doing great in fact and I've never felt better I've never been happier I've never been more at peace I've never had such incredible people in my life I've never been so excited and inspired and motivated and disciplined and all of these all of these traits that felt so far out of reach and all of these qualities that felt so unattainable I now have within me I now have all of the qualities I always wanted to have that I always admired in other people strength and courage and resilience and determination and all of these things and I think it's just so important if you're unhappy in life if you're struggling to just decide to take that step to take control of your life and take time away from everything and look inward and start healing man that is just so insane like you can keep running and running and running from your problems but they always catch up on you and the longer you run the more shit you're gonna have to deal with <laughs> it's so crazy but yeah I'm feeling really excited for this year I'm feeling really grateful I'm really blessed I'm really at peace and at home within myself and it's nice it's nice so I really recommend like writing down a timeline of your life and maybe writing down like things that you're proud of 
and your achievements and stuff because I've definitely been stuck in a little bit of a pattern of not feeling like I'm doing enough um but this has just made me realize that queen like you've been through a lot <laughs> and you did it all on your own basically so like you're doing pretty fucking good you're doing amazing and and it's exciting like I've already healed so much in a year's time and I still have things to work on and there are still things that pop up that affect me but the most important thing is just to be conscious of your thoughts of your thought patterns and question whether they are you or whether it's just your conditioning and just keep on learning and unlearning basically but yeah that's the story of my life <laughs> what the fuck that was so intense but I you know I wanted to share it because I don't know what I said but maybe something in there was helpful or someone can relate to it you know whatever it's just nice for me to let that out to be honest I think if I don't have a therapist I gotta gotta say it somewhere but yeah thank you so much for listening to to this episode if you got to the end of it um I'm sorry if it was depressing but I think it was fine I quite like listening to people talk about their stories and things that they've been through because I feel like although it's my story and my experiences, um, I always find that I can find some common ground with other people's stories and experiences. So yeah, but yeah, let me know in the comments what you thought, if you have any feedback for me on this episode. And before I go, would you like some song recommendations? Because I wrote down some for you today. <laughs> oh, I only wrote down one, but it's Shark's Mouth by Greg Mendez. Um, and I wrote it such a blue light song because I was listening to it on my way back and it was blue light outside and it was so wonderful. But let me go on my likes because I really... Um, Oh, there's a song called Mum by Tim Atlas. That's really beautiful. Socks by Dominic Fike. Disguised by Bennett Coast. I'm really obsessed with him. And yeah, I'm really obsessed with that song. The Air That I Breathe by The Hollies. I don't know if I said that last week. Okay, that is all for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. I loved speaking with you. Thank you for being here. I'm so grateful for you and appreciative of you. And I love you so much. I will see you next week. Bye-bye.